back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spatero, and I am here today with my very good friend, David Pascarella, on what is approximately the anniversary of our, I don't know, what would it be, 10th, 11th, 12th, 12, 12 years that we've been friends, something like that? It's got to be about 12. I think 12 is a good number. And the reason we come up with that is because we first met face-to-face after meeting on Facebook at New York Comic Con. And it is this weekend that there's New York Comic Con. So it is approximately our friendiversary. Happy friendiversary to you. What'd you, what'd you get me? I got you a... Yeah, it's a surprise. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> All right, I can't argue with that. So... Today, we're just kind of taking a look at yet another series where I am a fan, but I can't say I've read a, read a whole lot of it. But my fanhood, fanship, fan whatever, has been sparked of late anyway, and that's the Doom Patrol. Now, I first became aware of the Doom Patrol early on in my collecting when, uh, when I used to go to uh, Joe Herb's bookstore on... Uh, 86th Avenue, yeah. and we would flip through the back issue bins, and I would see uh, the last three issues of the series were reprint books, uh, and they would be in that 25 cent bin, you know, with the marked in the quarter, corner, and I picked those up, and and for some reason I always found them fascinating from that, um, and and there's such a correlation between them and the X Men, the handicapped leader, just you know the misfits, all of that stuff. Uh, but the back issues that weren't those last three reprints, which also kind of is similar to the X-Men because they went into reprints, uh, the back issues beyond that were always kind of unobtainable. I, I never really saw them anywhere for any decent price. And then in the last year or so, I keep finding them in the, you know, around the $5 range, which is, I think, pretty reasonable for those books. And now of the... I think there's between My Greatest Adventure, which is where the series started, and then it changed over to Doom Patrol. Between the two, I think there's approximately 45 or so issues. And of those 45, I probably own now about 28, say, somewhere around there. And, And never paying any significant money for any of them. Now, I assume if I find the first issue, which is My Greatest Adventure number 80, it's either 80 or 82. I don't recall off the top of my head, uh, but I assume that if I find that one, it's going to cost you know significantly more than five dollars. But you know that may be worth paying more for anyway. It'll be the first appearance. Um, but like I said, I always kind of found the, the the team kind of just fascinating to me. Uh, and then uh, I you know they they had a, a little reboot in Showcase Comics, which is what we're going to actually take a look at one of the issues today. But when they when they ended their run as the Doom Patrol before those three last issues, they actually killed off the team in an explosion set off by the bad guys where they kind of sacrificed themselves. It was like, we're going to either blow up where you are right now. We're going to blow up this city. And the, the Doom Patrol said, no, you blow us up. And but did, did they think 
did they think about it for a while? Uh, it looked like they looked. They thought about it for a minute. They, so. I don't know. And they kind of hit on that in in the reprint. Well, not the reprint, but they hit on that in the flashback of uh, the issue that we're covering today. The, the reboot. Uh, but, but then eventually they decided to reboot them, and Paul Kupperberg was the uh, writer for it, and he he apparently had a love of the team. But then when he rebooted it, it seemed like it just didn't have the, the the right mix to be popular. And what he did was he brought back Robot Man because it was easy enough to write somehow that he survived this explosion since he's a robot man. Uh, and then he created a new team around him. And that team just never caught on. And they were only in three issues of Showcase at that point. They eventually were revived in... Oh, I don't even know what year it was. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. It looks like 19, it, shortly post-crisis. Let's leave it at that. Uh, and and then what happened was they did a few issues of it, and then it wasn't really catching on again. And then Grant Morrison took over. And I'm not really the biggest Grant Morrison fan because it was just, from what I saw of it, it looked like it was extremely trippy. Uh, and not really something that I was interested in. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of let that go. Uh, and I didn't pick it up. But then eventually they appeared in the Teen Titans cartoon, which was pretty cool the way they did them there. And then they uh, they, which, they they revived them. John Byrne revived them eventually. Uh, and, and I didn't think that was so bad. He did add like two new members that weren't really – all that interesting, but I didn't think it was nearly as bad as was what it, they tried was to. Was that in the two thousands? Yeah, I think Burns? it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the early two thousands. I think it crossed over with the Justice League comic at yeah. the time. Yeah, they had int- the they introduced them initially in the Justice League. They had like yeah. a two issue uh, story, and then it it went off into their own series. That uh, I think there were eighteen issues, if I'm right. And I probably I, I bought, have about 15 of them. I was going to pick up the last three in the dollar bins if I could find them. I think I bought the first six or the first eight, something like that. I didn't go beyond that either. Yeah, I, I can't say I went nuts with it either. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, I, I plan on sitting down and rereading that because I've, I've had a recent renaissance of my John Byrne fanhood where I want to read his stuff more than I you know, some of the stuff that I kind of gave up on towards the end of his uh, prolific run. So I'm, I want to go back and I want to reread through those. I want to reread through, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, I'm trying to think of what, the, the hidden, X-Men, the Hidden Years, those kind of books. The ones that he came out like towards the end, again, of his prolific. Now, didn't X-Men and Doom Patrol come out roughly the same time? Like, I believe they did, so I think there's some controversy as to which one who had the idea of the crippled team leader first. Well, the right. handicapped team leader. Let me politically correct myself. You should do that. I do that. I I, I often do that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think there was some controversy. It's kind of like Swamp Thing and, and Man Thing. Uh, you know, which one came first? And they kind of both came at around right around the same time. So who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I always found, like I said, I, I found the characters to be interesting. I found the team to be kind of compelling to me. And yet I've never, you know, I've never sat down and kind of read it from beginning to end. And at least, you know, the original run, which I, I want to do, because it's not like it's such a, a 
a huge run that it would be hard, that hard to read it. So we've we've determined our, our, the year of our initial meeting. No, that's the year after. We didn't take a picture the first year. Ah. So it's our ten. It's our ten year anniversary. Friend. It's our ten year friend anniversary. Friend. What what do they, what do they, what do they make for? Is that paper? Who knows? Probably. You can buy you can buy me that. Comic book. Doom Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but I, and then does it really count as our friend anniversary? Because we had been communicating on Facebook and kind of had a little bit of a friendship going before we met face to face anyway. So I don't know if it even counts. I think it doesn't count. So screw it. Yeah. It's, you know what? We'll start now. A year from now, we'll be friends one year. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have any uh, Doom Patrol background? I did start reading it for a while in the 2000s in the, the burn run because I, uh, like you said, I think it started out as a spin out of uh, Justice League, right? Right. JLA. I remember having like a four-armed gorilla that he added to the group and I kept thinking, huh, why would you do that? <laughs> so. It's like a four-armed doomsday. Why would you do that either? Good point. I don't know. <laughs> But I read about six of those in the uh, I'm, I'm trying to recall what the hell I was reading. I almost want to think it was. There was some book in the 80s that had. Doom Patrol characters in it, particularly uh, negative woman, because I do recall that. I'm trying to remember what it was. There's a part of me that wants to say it was Green Lantern, but that that can't be right, right? Yeah, anything could be right. <laughs> Let me. I'm just trying to look. I have some notes here that I just kind of. And I uh, I had read. Um, there's an early issue of uh, Post Crisis Doom Patrol that crosses over with the uh, Superman makes an appearance. Post uh, mm-hmm. crisis, and I had bought that one because I was trying to get every Superman appearance. Good luck so with that, that. That was uh, my introduction to the Doom Patrol. I think though that was somehow rebooted as the classic Doom Patrol. Well, just looking on the Wikipedia page, uh, it said uh, there was you know they came up with a new version of the team after the showcase one, and it said. Even as the months, or actually for after the three-issue series, it said the, the new version of the team did not receive its own series. Uh, and then it says, however, the team did re- receive a series of guest appearances in various DC titles, such as Superman Family, in a three-part arc in the Supergirl feature that was intended for the recently canceled Super Team Family. DC Comics Presents teaming up with Superman in a story that revealed that Vostok's powers had changed to match Larry Trainers exactly and Supergirl. Robot Man also appeared as an occasional supporting character in the Marvel Wolfman George Perez era Teen Titans. Yeah, that I remember. Um, looking to see if there's anything about Green Lantern and I'm just trying to go through it quickly and I'm not seeing that. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's not. Well, you could be hundred percent right and I'm just not. Seeing I, I am rarely a hundred percent right. I got a wife who will explain to you how I'm rarely right. If ever. Yeah, I fooled my wife into thinking I'm right a lot. I have two kids too. Who will tell oh, none you of my wrong. None I am constantly. Right. Yeah, none right. of my kids think I'm right about anything. 
it's, it's just oh, dead. You, you couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, Doom Patrol number 10 from 1988. That's the uh, first Doom Patrol I bought. Okay. Well, like I said, my uh, my early ones were the reprint issues with the, I think it was the uh, Anna Vegeta Minna Man or whatever it was. He was like animal, vegetable, and mineral. And then he made an appearance on the uh, Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon also. Yeah. The, this, the Doom Patrol was on and he was appearing on it as well. And so, uh, the other Doom Patrol I have is uh, it's from 2004, issues one through five. And that's, that's that seems to me, looking at the covers, that's the classic Doom Patrol. Right? Read a Yeah. Well, they eventually revived them. And I think what they did, I, I don't think they ever retconned out them getting killed. I just think with the, uh, you know, after Crisis, I think they just kind of brought them back at some point. I think you're, I almost think there was a reference to uh, them being killed in that 2004 series. It's very possible. Again, I'm, again, I don't uh, know what I'm talking about. Most well, neither time. neither of us do, which is why we have so many listeners. Because at least we're willing to admit when we don't know something, which is a lot more than other people on the internet. So, once again, we're taking a look at Showcase Volume One, Number Ninety Four, which came out in September of 1977. The cover is drawn by Jim Aparo, which I would never have picked out based upon looking at the cover. It shows uh, the newfangled robot man carrying the old robot man's body uh, with the new members of the Doom Patrol standing behind a gravestone that says Doom Patrol R.I.P. Uh, and it's pretty cool. I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. About Let me it. tell you how stupid I am. <laughs> I, I never read this before. And looking at the cover, I thought these were the people who killed the Doom Patrol. Well, you know what? If you never read it before, you'd have no reason to know who they are, though, because they are not the traditional Doom Patrol. The story is called The Doom Patrol Lives Forever, and it is written by Paul Kupperberg, penciled by Joe Staten, inked by Joe Staten, colored by Liz Barube, lettered by Bill Morse, and edited by Paul Levitz. Now, the synopsis that they give you on the DC Wiki is exactly why. It's one of the best arguments that can be given in favor of Scott Gardner's position that we should not read pre-canned uh, synopsis. So for exactly that reason, I'm going to read it before I actually describe the events of the book. I believe that's a policy that's been implemented. It's not a preference. It's policy. Yeah, well, let him kick me off the show. Uh, the, the, the one that's on the uh, wiki says, mere months after their seeming demise, Robot Man washes up on a beach in the Caribbean where he is found, rescued, and repaired by Doc Magnus, returning to the DP's old HQ where he finds and briefly fights a group of people calling themselves the Doom Patrol, Celsius, Tempest, and Negative Woman. They reveal that General Immortus is seeking new immortality formula developed by Niles Calder. Immortus attacks, eventually disabling them with a powerful noxious gas. Now, there's nothing about that synopsis that's wrong. But it really doesn't give you any feel for what's going on in the issue. So I will concede Scott's argument on that. So looking at the book and giving you a somewhat better synopsis, the story starts with a recap of the demise of the original Doom Patrol, where they do elect to say, uh, you know, basically give a middle finger to uh, to to uh, the villains 
uh, and say, you know, fire away. And then it immediately cuts to months later uh, where you see Robot Man's arm come out of the water and his body slowly surfaces and then he drags himself to the shore and it says how he's basically feeling the pain as if he is not a robot uh, and he's begging for help. And then we cut away to, I guess, months later where he's been fitted with a new body and he is coming through the streets and he goes to the original home of the Doom Patrol thinking that, you know, it's been abandoned for all this time. Uh, but then when he, he sits and broods for a little while and then he comes upon the new people who are taking over and they all have nice matching costumes, uh, which is also something the original Doom Patrol really didn't have. I don't believe I don't believe Elastic Woman and uh, Negative Man had matching costumes anyway. Uh, so they, they immediately start fighting because he sees them as interlopers uh, and he's actually beating them until Negative Woman just kind of goes goes into him and just makes him crumble to the ground and then they discuss it and they realize that they all have the same motive and that they are attempting to be a new doom patrol so they decide uh or they realize they they advise him about general immortus's desire to uh get a new immortality uh formula that was developed by the original chief meanwhile they're all being very very closed mouth about what their origins are uh, and then they end up in battle very quickly with General Immortus and his his uh, followers, which are which are many. Uh, and then they're, they're battling well, uh, and and they're basically taking out all these followers. But then when they face General Immortus, he he covers Negative Woman with lead to prevent her from uh, doing anything. And you know they they manage to. Uh, still come upon him, but then he releases some sort of nerve gas and they all pass out and it's to be continued. Uh, so the, the, the summary that I read to you does kind of cover all of that, but it just does so just a little bit too quickly. Mm. And then it's telling us next issue, they're going to reveal the secret of you know what's going on, which I believe is that she was, uh, what's the name? Celsius was uh, the wife of the chief. I think that was the secret, if I remember right. So, Sounds good to me. Now, I run hot and cold. Now, as as a, on a whole, I like Joe Staten a lot. But sometimes I run a little hot and cold on his stuff, and it's more or less like what is he best suited for? Because he's got a, a very, uh, very distinct style in its own way, similar in, in some ways to people like Steve Ditko or I know Scott hates him, but Frank Robbins, people like that, you know, where it's so distinct or Carmine Infantino. I'm trying to think of other people like that where you need to put them on the right project or their, their style just doesn't look right to me. And I think with the original tone of the Doom Patrol, the way the stories were meant to be a little quirky, not quite the Grant Morrison quirky, but just a little bit more quirky than normal. Uh, I think the, the state and style would have fit that really well. But this is, seems to be attempting to be more of a traditional superhero book. And, uh, you know, unless it's a book that's like a period piece taking place, you know, in the past, I'm not really so thrilled with Staten on a, just a regular traditional superhero book. 
I don't know if that's going to be a popular opinion, but that's kind of my thing. I think the art is good. I just don't think it suits the material as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's to steal a line from Andy Leyland. It's all right. But it's not uh, over the top. Oh, it's fantastic. It's serviceable. Yeah, and, and I think... I think, again, I think it's serviceable because it might be a mismatch of talent, not because the talent isn't there, not because the, the, the art is bad, but because I think it's I think his style is suited to something a little bit more quirky than this. And I don't think this I think this is a pretty much a really a, a straightforward superhero tale. And I don't know that that his style is best for that. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. I, you know, I like stating on, on, say, the JSA, which is more of a period piece. Uh, you know, it was uh, E-Man for Charlton, where it's a little bit more of a quirky story, you know, things like that. Right. So, and and I do feel like, again, I think we, we've lost, although I understand that Kupperberg was a big fan of the Doom Patrol. Uh, I think this is, you know, early in his writing career. I, I don't, I don't know how old he was at the time, but I'm thinking he was probably pretty young. Uh, and he doesn't seem to have that quirky tone that I was kind of looking for. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what what it would have done. It's not one of these things where I could sit here and say, well, had he done this, it would have been better. I can't really come to a specific thing as far as that goes. Uh, but I'm just feeling like there might be something some some way that he could have again just made this a little bit more quirky i think it's more or less that to me the doom patrol like the x-men were always presented as real outsiders they they basically became a team because they couldn't fit in with normal society uh and i don't i don't get that feel from this well, to me it was very X-Men-esque to give it that thing where I, I, I think that from my brief reading that they were actually not liked. Is that is that wrong? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I, yeah, I don't think they were I don't think they were perceived by the general public as heroes, even it's though kinda, they they were willing to sacrifice their lives to be. It kind of doesn't work for me in the DC universe, to be honest. Because it seems like every hero is a hero, and the public loves them. Well, that was the thing they did in that JLA, uh, the JLA <laughs> Avengers crossover. When the the Avengers come and they see like the Flash Museum, right. and they're like, "What's that museum?" <laughs> it just doesn't seem to work. And, uh, and maybe that was the uh, the charm of it, I guess, to have and, one. And that, that may be why it that may be why it got canceled. <laughs> you know. Because it, it's it's a different universe, it's a different presentation. But then you know they they did I did feel like they tried to marvel up the DC universe as things went on. Uh, you know that was like bringing George Perez and and uh, Marv Wolfen over to do the Teen Titans is you know marveling it up. Of course that happened much you know, not much but a few years after this. Um, so you know I, I see some of that that they were trying to get. This does feel more Bronze Age ish. Than a lot of what we yes. got out of the DC universe at this time, you know, DC, and we've talked about this in the past too, how they they kind of got caught up in the Silver Age, and it took them for a while to mature to 
Bronze Age status and beyond. Uh, and and this, this is one of the books of that era that I can point to and say, well, this is kind of Bronze Age-ish. So right. I like in, it, that in a mostly silver universe, this is Bronze Ages. Yes, exactly. Well said. Uh, so, you know, I think, think that's that's one aspect of it. Um, I think given more time to develop this series, Kupperberg probably could have, you know, made something of it. And if my experience with comics is any indication over time, they would have brought back the, uh, you know, the original members anyway. Right. Bring them back. But I would like to have seen it happen slowly and, and organically over time. So it's kind of too bad that he didn't get to do that. And what, when I was reading up on it a little bit, what I saw, if I can find it now, is that uh, when he when he tried to revive them. I'll find the page where it is now. Uh, Are you using real paper? I do have some real paper. Wow. Usually I'm the only one with real paper. It's it's made from from tree pulp. <laughs> but I did see something and, I, and I'm I'm losing it now where uh where after this they did eventually revive the series and they put Kupperberg on it originally with and I'm trying to remember the artist that they had on it but whoever that was uh, had some serious, you know, disagreements with Kupperberg as far as how it should be handled. How many issues did this run? This was just three issues in show. That's it, huh? And it did not turn on to a, turn into a series at that point. Now, did it, it started in Showcase originally, did it? I mean, the no, way back. It started in My Greatest Adventure. I believe it was number Because I read that whole spiel they had in the back. Mm. Yeah, and then, you know, what, what's interesting is this is right around the time when they revived the X-Men with the new X-Men. So, you know, in Giant Size X-Men number one. So it, it's interesting that they even parallel there as well. Except the difference is, you know, the X-Men, it took a little time, but it really ended up taking off, whereas this never did. Right, right. So, what did you think of this story? I thought it was a decent introduction. You know, I mean, if you were familiar with the old ones, clearly, okay, we're going to reboot this, guys, with the only holdover being Robot Man, who we're going to jazz up with a new costume. Now, is is Robot Man the same Robot Man who's in uh, All Star Squadron, or is that a different? I, robot? I think that's. I believe that's a different robot. It's man. a different one. Okay. And yeah, no, I think the, that's the the Golden Age Robot Man. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I don't believe that's the same. I mean, clearly, um, this is a much more diverse cast than the original. Well, I, I mean, I see parallels between what they're doing here and what they did in the, you know, when they revived the X-Men. You know, at least initially, the thought was you were only bringing Cyclops over from the old team and, you know, and Professor X, obviously. But, uh, you know, the other X-Men were all going to leave, even though they brought Jean Grey in very quickly after that. But, uh, 
you know, this just has Robot Man as a carryover. And this has kind of got, you know, it's got the the one member who's Russian. It's got an African-American member. It's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, of an effort to diversify the cast, which they did in the X-Men as well. I find it interesting, though, uh, what's it, the Russian negative woman, I guess, yeah. who's drawn very attractively. She doesn't apparently need the bandages that Larry Trainer did, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what the reason for that is. Uh, I do. You you don't make an attractive character. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I guess it's it's the same reason why the uh, the live action heroes don't wear their masks very much. Right. For what we're paying you. It's it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I I I I think that's exactly it. I think conceptually, it's pretty cool, but. In practice, I think it just lacked that oomph to to pull it in a quick audience. Also, what is this about the time of the DC implosion, or was that? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's roughly right around that time, and I think that may have been part of the. Uh, well, Showcase lasted. Uh, I think after this, they did three issues with Power Girl. Mm-hmm. Right. They did. Then I think Those they did I three. Hawk, I think they did three Hawkman issues. And then they did one which was like OSS something, and then it got canceled. So it was only going after the the three Doom Patrol issues. It was only going seven more issues before it got canceled anyway. Right. And I have the three Power Girl issues also, and I have the three Hawkman issues. I don't have the OS OSS one. I think I might have gotten one of mine autographed actually. I have the review. I read the interesting, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I have to look at the book. It might have been me. It could have been. When I was at your house, I may have gone down and just started signing some books. I don't know if you're aware of this. I have an autographed Dazzler number one. Have I ever mentioned that to you? You have. Do you remember who it's autographed by? The artist. The cover artist. The cover artist. Because the interior art is by John Romita Jr. And we did. That's no, we why we actually brought see. them to the con, because he was supposed to be there. So you're saying we settled? We settled. Yes. I was going to say it's it's a repetitious thing in our lives. No man. That that <laughs> so. I read this uh, in the back of the uh, comic, the uh, critics' corner, where they talk all about the history of Showcase. I found mm-hmm. it fascinating. First uh, issue was supposed to be, well, was Showcase Firefighters, which is funny because I'm going through these old books and I see the ad for that. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just curious to see how that was. And they basically say it was terrible. Well, I mean, I don't know exactly what they were going to do in that issue. I had but a they, version they, they of, you know, just... like Emergency. Yeah, that's they introduced a lot of the characters. I mean, Showcase was the same. <coughs> you you and Scott and I were recently talking about anthology books. Showcase was an anthology series uh, where they, you know, a tryout book effectively for, for different things. And I have 15 issues of Showcase. I have an issue with I Spy. An issue really? with, with the te- with the Teen Titans. I don't think it's the TV series. I, oh, I was going to say Bill Cosby and 
Oh my and God! She, what's his What's his uh, name? Robert Culp. Right, Robert Culp. Greatest I have an issue with the Inferior Five, and then then we get to the issues that I'm more of a fan of. We got one with Buana Beast, <laughs> who I also loved when he was on uh, Brave and the Bold. I have the introduction issue now with uh, the Creeper, first appearance by him. Uh, I have the three Doom Patrol issues, the three Power Girl issues. Doom Patrol 100 I have, which is kind of cool because that's a book that has uh, it's a, has a story, and I believe it's also by Joe Staten, where all the characters that were introduced in uh, Showcase make an appearance at some point in the story. And then I have the three Hawkman issues, and I'm, I'm missing that. Uh, I, I don't know why I feel the need to have that OSS Spies of War issue, because it's not like I have a complete run of the series anyway, but I have... The last uh, last nine issues minus that one. So I feel like oh, at least it gives me a complete <laughs> ten in a row, you know. You like those even numbers? Excuse me. I have, no, actually, I have the list. I have ten of the last eleven is what I have. I, I missed one. So yeah, now I'm liking the odd numbers. But it's an odd team, the Doom Patrol. So I can go with that. I can I can create a theme there. <laughs> So I'm, I'm looking at the uh, cover that you put up of uh, what you call it, Metallo as Trish, the Doom Patrol. Now that that's an actual Doom Patrol issue. Yes. And it's a Kupperberg. That's that's the uh, first one I ever bought because Superman appears in it. By the way, okay. my showcase that's autographed is by Joe Stanton. Oh, there you go. It it almost looks like somebody's trying to draw. Superman in the way that Kirby did when he was doing the Jimmy Olsen series. It doesn't like I wouldn't mistake it for Kirby, but it looks like it's somebody trying to make it look like Kirby. And he looks constipated. I think yeah, it's Eric. That's Eric Larson. I think is uh, they had said somebody else was brought on to start that series, and they quickly had uh, you know disagreements on where the stories were going to go and how much control uh, each creator had on it so the artist left and he was replaced by Larson and Kupperberg apparently said something like you know that Larson really did his best on it but it wasn't a series that was suited to his style so much you know you know I'm looking at the cover now myself and this is this must have been what I was reading because it's got negative woman on the right hand side so my exposure must have been to this second team and she's got the bandages there Right, so I don't know what happened. Maybe her looks faded. Maybe. <laughs> you, know, you take away Staten and, you know, it's just not the same. Mm. So, I guess, you know, we're going to have a, a pretty short episode here because I'm just about ready to rate this. All right. Well, let's not bore people. Go for it. So, I I think the cover is very cool. The, again, I never would have picked it out as Jim Aparo based upon just looking at it, but... Uh, I, I thought it was Staten, actually. So I'm thinking it's Aparo kind of trying to do things in the style Staten was doing it, as opposed to just being thrown out there, uh, you know, with no no frame of reference as to uh, what the team was going to be. Right. But I think it's it's pretty cool the way the way they drew it up, even if it might have confused you as to who the heroes and villains were. But all things considered, you know, considering it was a brand new team, you wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily know that anyway. But I think it's a pretty striking image. I think it could do with a little bit less words on it. 
Uh, it feels, especially the, the little banner that they were doing, where it's you could be in Superman the movie. Uh, I, I really feel like that took away from a lot of the covers at this era. So I could have done without that, but I still think it's a pretty striking image. Uh, and I like the subdued green background uh, that they that they gave. So I, I'm going to say a, a B plus on it. I, I'm pretty high on the cover. The interior art, I feel, like I said, I think Staten did a good job of drawing it, but I just don't think his style is suited to this story. So no offense to him, but I'm just going to give it a C. Uh, I, think, I think if it was a story more suited to him, I probably would have come up with a higher grade. Uh, I do think there's some dynamic images in there, though, so I, I got to give him credit for that. Uh, and the story, it's it's pretty straightforward. I think it, you know, it doesn't have that sense of the outsider group that I'm that I'm looking for quite as much. It's more like they're just infighting a little bit. Uh, right, but they're just starting out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I would. They didn't interact with anybody. Yeah, I think we needed a little interaction with somebody. I think that's really what it came down to that I feel like it's missing is maybe maybe have them out in the street and have somebody like throw a rock at Robot Man or something. I don't know. Uh, but whatever, I, I just feel like it, it didn't get a chance to hit its stride is what it comes down to. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to give it a C on the story, too. It's acceptable. It was decent reading, but I just feel it. There's something about it that just could have been better. And overall, I'll give the book a C plus. Well, <clears throat> I like the cover. I thought the cover was okay. I thought I, I get what they're going for, but I felt it was just maybe a, a little too dark. I think they could have lightened it up just a pinch. But the actual, you know, images on the cover, I think, were good. It intrigues me certainly. I love the logo. And I'm going to give the cover an overall rating of a B. The interior art. You know, it's uh, it's all right. It's serviceable, but it's nothing to write home about. I think it's average art. I think you hit the point that it needed a little quirk to it. So overall, I'm going to give the interior art a C. The story, I'm taking it strictly for what it is. It's an introduction. It gives you uh, it gives you a little bit of what went before to get us to where we are now. And I think that accomplished its mission. The uh, introduction to the new team and the uh, battle with uh, Immortus. Like you said, you would have liked a little more, but given that it's a, it's a first issue, for lack of a better word, I think the story was all right, and I gave the story a, a B plus. I'm going to give my overall rating on this as a, a B minus. Yeah, it's a, that's fair. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, I, 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 I always enjoy the interaction with, uh, with the people who listen. So what I would say is if you have any opinions on this uh, that you'd like to share or any experiences with this team, go to the Facebook page. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, make a request to join and we'll, you know, as long as, as long as we're confident, you're not some sort of spam bot, we're going to let you in. Uh, and, you know, I, I always put up the, for the art for the episode. So on that post, you know, put your opinions, put your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. So, 
All right. It's a short episode, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being here with my good friend anniversary, pal Dave, to uh, present it for you. Always a blast, brother. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye! (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.